been really just deeply hurt by someone? You know, have you ever found it very difficult to forgive? Have you ever felt like saying the phrase, I forgive you, would be the equivalent of ripping the heart out of your chest, hanging it to that person, and have them rip it to shreds in front of your very eyes? Because that's the truth. When we, when we work against deep hurts that have come against us, the idea of forgiving really just seems inconceivable. And within Christianity, we, we kind of have this idea that we just forgive and we just, it doesn't mean anything, and, and somehow we just push on like it was no big deal. But deep down in our hearts, deep down in our souls, our emotions are crushed. And while there may be this forgiveness of God that, that overcomes spiritual consequences, there's this deep emotional hurt that in our experience with each other, we have to get through to the point to be able to offer forgiveness. And today, as I talk to you, I want to help you uh, look at what we get wrong about forgiving others. Because I think that the deeper that we understand forgiveness, the better we will be able to find healing and the more likely we are to find freedom. So the first point I want to give you this morning is this, is that refusing to forgive hurts those that hurt us. That's the first thing that we get wrong. We think that if we hold our forgiveness back from them, that somehow we're going to inflict pain upon the people that have hurt us. And that's a lie that we believe. You know, in this passage that we're talking about here, the unmerciful servant, what we've been focusing in on this morning, I, I want you to understand just a little backstory here, right? So you have this king who's going to collect accounts of somebody that owes him a serious debt, millions upon millions of dollars. And the servant prays and asks for the king, or has pleaded with the king to forgive that debt, to give him a chance to actually pay it back to me. And the king did something incredible. He says, you know what, I'm, I'm, you're not going to be able to pay it back. I'm just going to offer forgiveness. And then in the very next breath, the same person that had just been forgiven this incredible debt seeks out someone that has wronged him. You know, in great anger, approaches that person and says, you give me what you owe me. And the guy that owes him money turns around and pays with him and says, listen, you know, I can pay this bank, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of about $25. He says, I, I can pay you back, just, just give me a chance to pay you back. And this servant who has shown great mercy decides to do the complete opposite. He says, you know, I'm going to withhold forgiveness and throw you in prison until you can pay it back, until you pay the price. You know, and people are looking at this guy saying, man, what's going on here? And so they go to the king and they say, listen, did you see what this servant did? The one that you forgave, he, he, he treated this person horrifically. And then the king comes back to the servant that he forgave and he says, you know what, listen, you should have shown mercy. You didn't. And now I'm going to throw you in prison until you have paid the full price. And Jesus tells this parable, this story, to help us understand this question of forgiveness. How often, how long, how many times do I have to forgive? What does it look like? And then he puts an exclamation point at the very end of that, that statement that says, So my Heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So you have this incredible story that goes on here, and this idea that if we refuse to forgive somebody that has offended us, that, that, that has deeply hurt us, that somehow it's going to inflict pain on them. 
And the truth is, is that refusing to forgive is nothing more than an emotional force of pressure. It has very little effect on the people that we have put it on. Right? We see this in, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 34 and 35. It says, And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay his debt. So also, my Heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from him. So think about this for a second. The idea that we can hold forgiveness and somehow inflict hurt upon people that have hurt us does nothing more than put us in an emotional prison that tortures us day in and day out. Because you have to fester that, you have to relive that, you have to run that scenario over and over and over in our heads so that we can inflict that person, we can put them in their position, we can hold on uh, to, to our forgiveness and not offer it to them, thinking that somehow our hatred towards that person will somehow be enough to get even. But the truth is, all it does is rot us in your sight. And Jesus sees this as such a, a, a tragic issue in humanity that he turns around and he makes a very bold statement that sounds incredibly harsh, thinking about somebody that's been victimized and probably has every emotional right to withhold forgiving somebody that is deeply hurt them. And Jesus says, Listen, so my father's going to do to you. Listen, just as you withheld forgiveness, You've been locking yourself in this torture chamber emotionally of unforgiveness, and, and the Father is going to do the same thing to you because you're unwilling to forgive your brother from the heart. What is Jesus saying? Is Jesus saying, when a statement he says, unless you forgive others, I won't forgive you, is he saying that forgiveness is something that we earn from God? No, because that would go against everything that the Bible teaches us about forgiveness. So what is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is talking to these people as believers. He's not making a disassociation between, you know, us as a believer wrestling with unforgiveness. He's not saying that separates you from me. He's like, listen, he's talking to us within context of relationship with us. He's like, listen, I've offered you great forgiveness, and you know that. And I want you to forgive other people of the great hurts that they've inflicted against you. And your unwillingness to do that puts you in the position of, of all kinds of dark places and sins that I will walk with you in these things, but I'm telling you, I cannot give you forgiveness until you step out of line, right? We see that in Scripture all over the place, is that when we repent, when we turn from our sin, we experience the forgiveness that is ours in Christ. That's what he's saying. So listen, if you want to withhold forgiveness, you want to make that choice, you want to go down that road, great. But you're not going to experience the forgiveness I have for you. And if you can't experience the forgiveness I have for you, you have no hope of offering forgiveness to someone else. Doesn't mean that God rejects us, doesn't mean we lose our salvation, doesn't mean that God doesn't forgive us spiritually of the consequences of our sin. It simply means that our experience of forgiveness is greatly distorted because we are choosing to go down the path of being the judge. And God will allow us to experience the weight of that sin. But until we repent, we won't experience His forgiveness. We have no understanding of what forgiveness is for others. I keep coming to this. The second thing that we don't get right about forgiving others is that we think refusing to forgive will bring us comfort. It never really brings us comfort at all, does it? So we're working with terrible bonkers because I want you to see the progression of emotions going from the dark place to the light. And so let's jump into the next few verses up. 
It talks about Benjamin lost his son in him and said to him, You wicked servant. So the king calls him back and he says, I forgave you all this debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? You know what mercy is? Mercy is this idea of being able to clothe yourself with compassion to experience comfort for someone to come alongside you and experience uh, not just uh, offer you sympathy, but to offer you empathy, to show you compassion. See, this is what Jesus did when he entered into our story. He entered into our story, experienced our pain and suffering, so we don't have a, a God who is distant from all the struggles that we feel, but we have someone who can sympathize and empathize with us in every way because he has struggled and he has felt that way and that question. And so he says, listen, I offered you mercy and salvation, and that mercy is supposed to be something that inspired you to help you do the same thing. When you set yourself up as judge and you step out into that darkness, you expect to find comfort when all you find is more pain. Mercy becomes elusive. See, for people who think that they can hold forgiveness and somehow that that's going to bring them some comfort, that somehow it's going to make it okay, somehow it's going to give them some safe place to align to themselves. You see, what happens is that you don't become more empowered, you become more cynical, don't you? The idea that God is merciful becomes an illusion. Matter of fact, it's God's fault that these things happen to you. And suddenly, God has to carry the sin that somebody else inflicted against you as if God were the one that can do. The idea that God wants to be a comfort and ever present help in a time of trouble, you have so far removed the idea of mercy and so far removed God from who He really is that you don't experience the truth and the power of His human presence in your life. Because you're making God into your own image. And the thought that the world could be a good place, that healing comes, and that there will be some comfort for your pain. Evaluates people. You become very cynical. Suddenly, you withdraw. Trusting anyone becomes an area that you don't wander into. All because you're withholding forgiveness, thinking that's going to bring you some comfort. The next thing we get wrong about forgiveness is that we think refusing to forgive gives us power. See, for so many of you, Things have happened in your life. Horrific pain from people that you have deeply trusted has crushed your heart and taken away your morality, taken away your innocence, taken away your sense of safety and comfort, taken away your sense of good, the idea of hope. And you just feel like you've lost all control over your life. And somehow we think that if we just withhold forgiveness, that somehow we're going to bring some sense of justice to the situation. And somehow we're feeling control, and that person can never hurt us again. But the truth is, is that we lie awake at night, and our deepest feelings are sponsored by the things that have been done to us. Please see this in the verses 28 through 30. It says, 
But when that same servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred and a half dollars, and seizing him, he began to choke him. Right? So he went out and found the person that owed him something, grabbed that person by the throat, and began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe me. Does that sound like Colin? It sounds like someone that has been consumed by anger, who has lost all sense of control, who has lost all sense of decency, and has crossed all kinds of lines that now bring regret into their life. Can you imagine? Being so furious with somebody that is offended you that you just want to squelch their life. And in this parable, we see that emotion come out, thinking that somehow we have power, but the truth is that our sense of justice has turned to revenge, bitterness, malice, and all kinds of things that control us. It becomes very difficult to overcome and recover from. So the servant that owed the money fell down and repeated with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he refused, and he went and he put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And it took that person from the sense of vulnerability to complete hatred for the other human being. Because they leave us on the other side of feeling completely demoralized. And the truth is, every day we kind of lock that person up in our prison, we're actually imprisoning ourselves with them. Another thing we get wrong about forgiveness is that we think forgiveness lets people off the hook. Why can't I forgive somebody? I'm offering them this free pass, they get off the hook, I carry all the shame and guilt and hurt and pain, and they just go free. That's what we think forgiveness is. But that's not what forgiveness is. We need to deepen our understanding of forgiveness. You see, in Matthew chapter 18, page 27, when we think about the king who came to settle his account, he came to the person who owed him a great debt and how the king showed forgiveness, he turned around and he looked and said, Listen, you owe me millions of dollars. You want to repay me. Here's what I'm going to give verse 27 to 27. And then I pay for him. The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Did he actually go free? He wrapped up his debt that he could not pay back, no matter how much he wanted to. And the truth is, the king that he offended carried away. Nobody got free pass. And in this passage, we see where the heart of forgiveness begins. It begins with God the Father who represents the king, who comes to settle accounts with all humanity, and we realize that we owe a debt that we can't pay back, that it would take lifetime upon lifetime upon lifetime of perfection to try to even come close to paying God back to breaking even, realizing that we can't. And then God says, I'm willing to do the unthinkable. I'm willing to pardon you. I'm willing to offer you forgiveness. I'm willing to take your place. I'm willing to take your, your, the sacrifice for that sin. And so, you see in the gospel that Jesus died on the cross of horrific death of crucifixion to offer us his forgiveness, paying the price that we rightfully pay. So no one erased the debt 
in a sense, it happened. And it was a serious way, and nobody gets a free pass. The Savior takes it upon him upon the cross, and the person who needs to be saved looks at them with a heavy heart, realizing that I did this. See, forgiveness isn't about giving somebody a free pass. Forgiveness is about offering something to somebody that they don't possess, that they don't deserve. And in no way is it saying that it never happened. It totally happened. The cross is a reminder that it happened. See, when we read about God's forgiveness, this idea that we want to say that God forgets is something that is creeped into our theology that is not true because God can't forget. Because if God forgets, then He is not all knowing. If He's not all knowing, then He can't be done. So this works fully knowing everything about you, anything that you will do, everything that you have done. Fully knowing the price that we cost him to redeem you, fully knowing that the love that he has for you and the love that you have for him don't equal each other, fully aware of everything that he's done, and he chose you. And he chose me, and he offered that forgiveness, and he's willing to take the punishment for it, but to still wait, isn't he? There's still that lump in our throats when we look at Jesus and realize how great God has chosen to overlook. So much so that he loves us as if our sin was all the way on the east of him and we're all the way on the west. He doesn't erase things. Because you and I need to be reminded of how much they love us of all the elements to give us. So take that picture of forgiveness and apply it to your human relationships. When God says, I want you to forgive so that you can experience my forgiveness, and if you don't forgive, you're not going to experience my forgiveness. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. What he's saying is, and you, you remember that? What you felt? You remember that? That peace that comes knowing that it exists, but I'm not holding it against you. Remember that? You're going to be robbed of that experience if you choose to hold someone in your prison of unforgiveness. And I want to set you free. So offer that forgiveness to him by no means are you saying that they get a free pass. What you're saying is, is that God is the only one that can truly forgive them the way they need to be forgiven. I'm choosing the experience of God's forgiveness in my own life by offering you forgiveness for what you've done to me. That while we live in this tension of pain, there's this hope and this presence found in Jesus, and that we can trust Him when the people that are closest to us can't be trusted at all. It's not about giving them this free pass that it never happened. It's totally looking at saying, you're happy, you're questioning, you hurt me, you're responsible. I'm offering this forgiveness to God has offered me. And I get some back to what I'm offering you. Why? So that I can live in the experience of this forgiveness. So you are responsible for your sin against me. And I don't carry your sin. 
and that's what it is. The next thing we get wrong is thinking that forgiveness makes it okay. And this kind of is very close to what we've been talking about. It's never okay. When we are deeply hurt, we're violated, you know, no matter what it is, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay for another human being to treat another human being like garbage. It's never okay. It is not behavior that we want to allow to exist in our children. It's not behavior we want to allow to exist in our, our marriages. It's not behavior that we want to exist in our workplaces. It's not behavior that we want to exist within God's fellowship of people. It happens. It needs to end. It needs to be repented of. It's never okay. It's never okay. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay for you to be a fool. It's not it. That's not forgiveness. That's like being passive and saying, I just totally don't know what to do with you, and I'm just going to continually submit myself to your fortune. Nowhere in Scripture does God say that that has to happen. You see, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. You need to forgive everybody, but you're not going to be reconciled to the original relationship with some people that have hurt you. And you shouldn't be. That doesn't mean you walk around with bitterness in your heart. doesn't mean you walk around with malice in your heart. You just simply say, this happened with both our relationships. There's no going back. I can't change them. And I don't have to live there. And I don't have to be filled with hatred. I can still love that person. I can still pray for the person that persecutes me. I can still love my enemy. Without being best friends with my enemy. Please forgive me because I make it okay. Where do you see them? Well, again, we look at the Father's example, the King's example, it is further. In verses 23 through 26, it says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the king. And it is further. So he began to settle, and one of them was brought in who owed him 10,000 pounds, or about $10 million. And he, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had. That's the payment. You're sick, lady. You're gone. Out. You're in prison. And payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees and pointed and said, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And we know that the servant offered him forgiveness. Or the king offered the servant forgiveness. But what you need to understand is that these things happened. I laughed at the death. It affected the king. It affected my family. It's not okay. It's not okay. The king doesn't look at it and say, you know, it never happened. But just to tell it it's never happened. He says, no, I'm choosing to forgive. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to offer you something that you don't deserve. I'm going to offer you something that you can't bring to the table. I'm choosing to give this to you in the middle of your situation. It's not okay. But I will absorb the penalty because you repented. So that's forgiveness. So when Jesus, you know, we see this in the gospel where, you know, we're talking about forgiveness, it's like somebody asks Jesus, like, well, how many times I forgive somebody? And he says, well, did they repent? It's like, yeah, they repent, right? And then forgive them. Well, how many times do they do that for any time they repent? He says, I mean, if they sin against you seven times in a day and they repent seven times in that same day, you are to forgive them seven times in that day. Is what he's saying. Why? 
Because in God's economy, repenting from the brokenness, turning to Jesus means that we're trusting God to redeem and restore us from what has happened. We need to be redeemed and restored because what happened is not okay. See, forgiveness doesn't be real pain. It amplifies it. And it shows the compassion of God running to the age of people that have been victimized. See, the gospel isn't just about forgiving us of our personal offenses against other people, thinking that we can go free like it never happened. There's a great price that paid for our freedom. But we brought some people up along the way. That's where we need reconciliation. That's where we need our personal restoration. That's where repentance comes in so that we can begin to repair as much as we can repair from the birth of God. But when we have been offended by other human beings, and we're now put in the position of trying to unconscious father, it, it, it just becomes inconceivable. Why? Because we don't have that level of forgiveness in and of ourselves. We have to have something from the outside that comes into us that we can express to others. So that's what we're trying to see here. That was the criticism between the servant that received forgiveness and then received the offer. It's like, did you not get it? Or did you just think that this was about you trying to repay to break even? And you took the king's forgiveness like it just made everything okay, and then he chose to be the king and choose whether he wanted to forgive or not. He missed it. The last thing that we get wrong about forgiveness is that we think forgiveness is instantaneous and complete. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. We back all the way up to the beginning of the passage. What kicked off this whole story? Why did Jesus tell this whole illustration? began with a question that Peter asked him in verse 21. Then Peter came up and he said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Let me have you understand what's going on. Peter's looking at us and listening to Jesus, you just did this whole thing that we call church discipline, which I think might be a little distorted in its passage. He's talking about if a brother harms you, you go to that person, you try to make it right. And if, they, if, if you can't make it right, then bring a call of people, neutral people, to help you see where each other are coming from, try to get it right. Reconcile, reconcile, find forgiveness, find love, find restoration. Trust the gospel, the healing work of Jesus. And that doesn't work. Bring it before the church for restoration. Let people pray for you. Let people get in the middle of this place. Let the whole congregation plead for the two of you to let go of your differences, to be restored to one another again. And Peter walks away from the Lord. Wait a minute. How many times will I do this? Seven times? You know what powerful about that? Peter thought he was going the extra mile because he had everything within Jewish tradition, rabbinical teaching at that time was three strikes for that. If you forgive somebody third time and they, they think it's this is done. You have every right to do even, to revenge, do whatever you want to do. Go on, God's in your corner. Have fun. Peter's like, I'll be better now. I'll double it and then see. 
And he's like, you know, you're not getting what forgiveness is about. Can you imagine if forgiveness was based on our performance? Think about that for a second. God the Father looks at humanity and says, listen, please trust me or not. Or because I'm going and I'm gracious and I got this better covenant than the old one, seven times. And like, hey, you don't understand forgiveness. Forgiveness comes from me. I'm the example of forgiveness. And let me tell you this as well. If you don't possess forgiveness of yourself, it's a process, brother. It's not instant. And it's not complete. It is a well that you have to draw from, that you have to rely on, that I graciously pour out on you with my eternal resources without reservation. And it's when you drink it in, brother, then you can give it away. To the person that you. Not seven times here, 70 times seven, and if you count all the way up to 490 offenses, you've missed it. Can you imagine how exhausting it is to keep in record of 490 offenses of one individual against you? And how you specifically forget that person 400 and no, you, you couldn't do it, it would drive you mad. And that is key to this point. Forgiveness is important. It can't find a place that wells up within you. See, that it comes from me. See, the kingdom of life, this king who comes to settle a promise for his people, is one of the great debt. And I said, let us pay you back. And he says, you can't pay me back. I'm going to offer you what you don't possess and what you don't deserve. That should change your heart so that when you work against somebody else that has offended you and owed you, Instead of cooking the life out of them, you offer them the forgiveness that, I'm, that you carry around in your heart that I've given you. Not because it's okay, not because they get a free pass, but because you deeply love me and I deeply love you. See, what happens when we do this, it allows God to restore justice. God is the judge. When you're offering people forgiveness, what you're saying is, I'm going to resist the sin of being your judge. I'm going to turn you over to love and justice of God. You decide how you're going to respond. Will you be thrown in prison to be tortured for all eternity? Or will you repent and receive the forgiveness that I have received? What you're simply doing is pointing them in the clear direction of the only place they can go to find peace. And that's the problem. That's forgiveness. It's weighty. It always costs something. It's never okay. And it's completely free. So the bottom line is this. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness means I'm drawing from Jesus' forgiveness. Forgiving others means I'm drawing from Jesus' forgiveness. Infusing, not to imprison myself in your brokenness and wrong. That's what forgiveness means. Forgiving others means I'm drawing from Jesus' forgiveness. Infusing, not to imprison myself in your brokenness and wrong. That's the life 
that will bust open that dark, dark place in your heart. That one truth that it's only by my understanding of God's forgiveness that I can offer that to another person to allow him to be the judge and redeemer of their life, depending on their response to him. But from here on out, their sin is sin. It's not okay. Their, their abuse of me is not my sin. I don't have to carry it anymore. And the more I try to lock them in a prison, the more I try to hold on to unforgiveness, all I'm doing is subjecting myself to the sin that rightfully belongs to them. And I'm saying, no more. I'm choosing forgiveness. What will you choose for? You know, it's a very little bit pain in this room today. And some of it is really deep and difficult and hard. And I know the temptation for you today is to think that if I, if I forgive this person, if I choose the path of forgiveness, then God help me to draw from your focus of forgiveness so that I can offer that to another human being. I'm going to turn them over to your love and justice, not mine. Somehow thinks that you're going to put yourself in a position to be abused. I'll put you there and I promise you that that's not the way it works. What you're going to find is freedom. That anger that's raging within you the very desire to take the life out of that person begins to calm in your heart and you begin to realize that yes, what has happened to you should have never happened to you. But the person that has hurt you has deeply offended you. And because of God's heart of forgiveness, you're going to offer them God's forgiveness. And you're going to trust for God to be big enough to settle the account. And the moment you make that decision, you're going to find freedom. And it's going to be a process. It's going to come up again and again and again. And every time it does, you, you, you trust God to, to forgive and to offer that forgiveness. You keep relying on that truth until those memories go further and further apart. It's a process. It's a well that you draw from. It's from a Savior that knows full well what it's like to be hated and treated poorly. And to have to offer forgiveness to those that have deeply hurt him. There is no one on the planet who understands better the dynamic that you're going through than Jesus. Will you let him walk with you in this journey? Will you let him teach you about his forgiveness? So that filling your heart and overflows to the people that have hurt you. And just like forgiveness of your sin and salvation is free, it's something that you don't earn, it's something that you don't deserve, but it's something that comes from being in Christ. Come in, Lord.
Let this song be the prayer of your heart. And if you need someone to pray with you today, I'll be standing at the back. I don't need to this burden anymore. It's time to let it go. It's time to begin healing. Will you come?